Hey, I'm Steve, and this is our podcast today, Stuff with Steve. And I'm here with Kalia, and we're going to talk about uh, something that gets uh, some controversy in the church. And it's actually a very practical thing to talk about today. And we're going to talk about marriage and divorce. Because frequently, I get questions from people who, are, who have been divorced. Hey, is it okay for me to get remarried? What does the Bible say about some of these things? Mm-hmm. And so it, it's an issue that in the church has caused great, um, I think, uncomfortableness for people. And yeah. also some wounding. Because I think it's pretty easy for, in some contexts... I, I, and probably more so 30, 40, 50 years ago, that if you're divorced, you get stigmatized Mm -hmm. in a way that is very unhealthy. And the church, some churches probably done a lousy job with uh, communicating and embracing and showing grace and compassion to people in this area. Yeah. So um, my experience has been that sometimes, well, my experience is that people go get divorced for many different kinds of reasons. It can be for adultery, uh, for, I'm going to call it abuse, whether it's physical abuse, or what I see more actually is verbal abuse in the home. And, and then I have all kind of questions that people, well, I, the Bible tells me that God hates divorce, Malachi 2.16, but gosh, this, this is not a healthy situation right. or um, he's a serial adulterer and this isn't changing. Yeah. Do I have to stick in there? And so I just want to talk about some of those practical things and give people some things to think on with that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in a church, in a, in a church setting, sometimes there's a couple different views. One is that if you get married, you should never ever get divorced for any reason whatsoever Mm. and they come up with that because of that phrase in malachi 2 16 that god hates divorce okay okay and secondly because of genesis chapter 2 where it says that uh or chapter 1 2 where uh chapter 2 you shall leave your parents and then be uh joined together together. Mm -hmm. and so you have that dynamic there Okay. The second view is that, or another view is that divorce is allowed okay. uh, for reasons of adultery. And that comes from Matthew chapter 5. And I'm going to just read it here, yeah. which says, it has been said, Jesus, mm-hmm. Matthew chapter 5, anyone divorces his wife, he must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you, anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. So, mm. very... Uh, that phrase is plagued with issues to interpret. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> but also, Jesus is giving an exception to uh, what we call um, what's called the exception clause. Mm. Stay married except for this reason. And so, I want to talk about that for just uh, a little bit. Okay. Okay. So, right off the bat, we need to understand that Jesus is. This is the Sermon on the Mount. He's speaking to a group of people, which includes Pharisees. Mm -hmm. And the prevailing view of divorce at that time was kind of twofold. One, that you could get divorced for any reason under the sun. Uh, So if your spouse burns the toast in the morning or doesn't come home on time (laughs) or he doesn't pick up his socks, you can get a divorce. Yeah. The other one was what Jesus just articulated, which was uh, for adultery reasons. Mm. 
And so he's speaking to that kind of a crowd. Mm -hmm. In Matthew chapter 19, he basically repeats this. But in that sense, he's talking to a very hostile crowd okay. because they're coming to, t to trip him up. Mm -hmm. And that happens a lot, right? In the mm -hmm. New Testament, people ask Jesus a question. Yeah. They're trying to mm -hmm. get him to say question something. Question his authority. Yeah. Question his authority. Mm -hmm. They want to... Embarrass him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they ask him this question. And in Matthew chapter 19, verse 4, he says, Haven't you read, he replied, the beginning, the creator made them male and female. So he reverts back to Genesis 2. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Mm. Uh, so they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Right. But then he says, why then, they asked, did Moses allow... Uh, command a certificate of a divorce to send her away. And Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. Mm. So he's pushing back on them at this point. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you, anyone who divorces his wife, and then he gives the exception clause, except for this infidelity, marries another woman, commits adultery. Mm. And uh, his disciples said, well, it's better you never get married. <laughs> yeah. That's you know, what they're what the drama. The, the drama of that. <laughs> I think a couple things are in play here. First, uh, often Jesus over-exaggerates. Mm -hmm. Hyperbole is the literary form. Mm -hmm. Exaggeration to make a point. Okay. So I'll, I'll demonstrate with you, Kalia. Mm -hmm. I could say, Kalia is always right. Mm -hmm. And I can say, Steve is always wrong. You could. <laughs> so if I say Kalia is always right, I'm over-exaggerating. And what I mean by that is you're, you're usually right. 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 Mm -hmm. And I can also do it in the negative form. I can mm -hmm. say Kalia is never wrong. Mm -hmm. And so you can use a negative hyperbole to communicate a positive point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what's happening in some of these clauses, and we need to be aware of them, that because Jesus is facing a hostile um, audience with these Pharisees, yeah. he's making, he's exaggerating, and we see that as negative, but we do it all the time. Right. So it's not like exagger exaggeration uh, with malicious intent to lie. It's that we... We do this to make a point. Yeah. Sometimes. And also Jesus' desire to bring understanding to people who don't understand. Sometimes you have to emphasize a point for people to get it. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So I think we have some of that um, sentiment going on here mm -hmm. in these passages. So the first one I read was in Matthew chapter 5. That's part of the Sermon on the Mount. And numerous times... Uh, well, I think we have this hyperbole going on. If you see a log, a speck in your brother's eye, pull the log out of yours. Right. We, we definitely have hyperbole going on in the Sermon on the Mount. Mm -hmm. um, I tell you, if you're angry with your brother, you've already murdered him. Yeah. You see, so those tend to be hyperbolic statements mm. as well. So we have this in church settings and beliefs of theologians, some of them, that uh, you can never get... They may allow for somebody to get divorced, mm -hmm. but they can never get remarried. Okay. And some of this is from these passages, because they, they would say uh, in Matthew chapter 19, you cannot get remarried because you're committing adultery again. Mm -hmm. So I think we need to look at the entire New Testament at this point, and especially in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Okay. So when we read through 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul has three categories of people, mm. and 
obviously I'm not going to read the entire chapter right now. Yeah. But um, in chapter seven, there are three words that he will use several times. He'll okay. use the term uh, those who are widowed. Mm. So that's clear, right? Your, your yeah. spouse has died. Mm-hmm. Secondly, he uses the term unmarried. Mm. And then he uses third, the term virgin. Okay. So in the first century, in a Jewish context, to use the term virgin meant somebody who's never been married and it's near and it's synonymous with virginity. Mm-hmm. That's just the way, whether the person was a virgin or not is not the issue at this point. It's just that that's how the term was used. Okay. Then the question remains, well, who are the unmarried? Mm-hmm. So we've already covered two categories, widowed and those who have yeah. never been married. So the unmarried must be those who are divorced. Okay. Because there's a distinction between the unmarried and the virgin. Right. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. that's the only reasonable category that I, I can think of. Yeah. And uh, so when we read that, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7 um, that you are free to get remarried. Mm. And he says, if your unbelieving husband left you, um, or he just says to the unmarried, you are free to marry. Mm-hmm. First Corinthians seven fourteen says, I should have brought verse 15 with me. I didn't want to flip through my Bible here on the <laughs> counter a whole bunch, but uh, for the unbelieving husband has been uh, set apart through his wife and the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband. Otherwise your children, and he's talking about children. And then in verse 15, he says, you are free to be, uh, you are no longer a slave to that former relationship. Hmm. So I do think that marriage, remarriage is allowed in the Bible. So when couples come to me and are questioning these things, I want to uh, assure them that that um, uh, they're not sinning against God. Okay. Yeah. Now, whether they should get remarried is a wisdom (laughs) question, right? Maybe. No, that's not the person you should marry. You know, that's a boy. This is. Yeah. That's a separate issue. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, So often people will come and ask for I'm just going to call it pastoral wisdom. What Mm -hmm. is the wise thing to do here? And that's separate from is it even allowed and permitted? Right. Mm-hmm. So first, first Corinthians seven fifteen is a key verse for that and all of chapter seven, because we have those three categories and Paul says, it's okay to get married. He says, I think it's best if you don't get married, you'll have fewer problems in life. Yeah. That's actually what he says. Mm-hmm. And then he says, uh, you can be more devoted to God and serving God. Right. And And so we can see the practicality of those things. But then he goes, but... On the other hand, you're free to get get remarried. And so Paul must have been married at one point, and now he's not. We don't know if his spouse had died. We don't know anything of the circumstances. But at the present time, it seems like he's single. And he says, um, I wish you were like me, but it's okay to get remarried. Yeah. And so I think it applies to all of those categories, the widowed, the divorced, and the people who have never been married. Okay. Okay. All right. So with that, a couple other things I want to talk about with this, this theological issue. And then uh, it's just some practical stuff. So first off, Jesus said, except for the cause of immorality. And the Greek word there is porneia. We get our English word pornography from that. Mm-hmm. And 
if we were to trace the usage of that word in New Testament Greek, mm-hmm. Koine Greek, it would it applies to prostitution, polygamy, um, homosexuality. It applies to any type of sexual relationship outside of marriage. Yeah, and so. It's a broad-based word. For sexual morality. For, yeah, that's mm-hmm. so, because I think what's happening is that marriage is considered like a covenant relationship mm-hmm. between between people, much like God has a covenant relationship with the Jewish people. Right. So there's this, co- we theologians call it a covenantal relationship. Mm-hmm. That covenant, covenantal relationship can be broken uh, because of this infidelity yeah. reason, but the, so that that's one aspect of this of this word porneia. The second thing is that when I was in seminary many years ago, I had a professor named William Heth, and he wrote a book, and he articulated in the book that you should, if you've been divorced, you, you're never eligible to be remarried again. Hmm. And it's really interesting to me because he was one of my professors. Um, and everyone was required to read his book in wow. when we had to translate the book of First Corinthians. Yeah. We had to read his book. And 20 years later, let me think, 2002. So 27 years later, he uh, changed his view. Mm-hmm. And I have this right in front of me, his, yeah. his view, and how he changed his mind on his view that, hey, remarriage is permitted. And he said, the weight of the of his study led him to a different conclusion. Okay. And I actually admire that. Somebody yeah, writes a book and then he changes his mind yeah. and, and even writes about it, right. like admits that, hey, I missed some things here. And some of my colleagues or fellow Greek scholars have pointed out other information that I just simply wasn't reading correctly. Right. So I, I, uh, I appreciate that as well. So with William Heth, what he does is, in this 20-page article I have right in front of me, he says the majority of scholars now believe that, just what I've articulated, that a person is eligible to be remarried just because you're divorced does not mean that you are spiritually ineligible to be married again. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's the... uh, and, and then he walks through that, and so I appreciate that in his, in his note. And I'm just going to read one, one part here that he wrote after I find it here in all of my, uh, in my stuff here. But he says that the, uh, I began to wonder if my defense of my position that remarriage is never, uh, uh, is never allowed, my position was exegetically, that means to study the original language, sound as I thought. And he says he has over 100 books on the topic, plus scholarly journal articles, hundreds of them. And he finally said, this is just not, I can't have that view anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So I I appreciate that kind of candor from a scholar, because sometimes scholars in ivory towers don't want to change their minds (laughs) on topics. So I, I appreciate that. So what I want to mention here is that and generations ago, because marriage was held in such high esteem, yeah. that people would, pastors would say to a parishioner, it, even if you're being beaten or there's abuse in the home, you have to stick it up. Right. Yeah. I have never even suggested that. Um, and 
I think things have changed and people have grown in understanding of scripture and reality. And I always say to people, it's time to get separated. You got to get out of the house. Yeah. Uh, Most recently, somebody called me with this situation and there was some physical pushing and lots of verbal abuse and, and the pushing, um, apparently grown to the extent that the person came to see me and said, you need to go file a police report. Mm. I was very adamant about that. Whether they did or not, I don't know. I can't make people do that. Yeah. But I explained that the abuse will not stop until there's significant intervention right. in with that abuse. Yeah. So I think as Christians, we need to really protect people from or encourage them to separate from, from uh, verbal abuse, from uh, physical abuse and so forth. So sometimes I get asked the question, well, it doesn't say in the Bible you can get a divorce. If somebody puts their hands on you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So my response to that is, I I think there's some evidence that the Bible does say that. Okay. Because in 1 Corinthians 7, 15, Paul says, in such cases, and the word there is plural. Okay. And so it's just not infidelities, cases like this. And in Malachi chapter uh, two, it talks about God hates divorce, but he goes on to say, you've committed violence and the blood is upon you. Mm. So there's some Hebrew scholars that think that there's probably some physical abuse going on in that relationship that that it is permissible permissible Mm -hmm. to to get divorced in that context. So. So I think that is that is permitted. I, I, I and I have no qualms about telling people that that it's um, that's okay right. to separate. I'm all for reconciliation, but I'm also wise enough to know that it doesn't happen every time. Yeah, not at all. Mm-hmm. So Kalia, I know um, you have some church background, but have you seen cases where people who are divorced kind of get? stigmatize or marriage is more important than singleness and do you have any observations about that um i haven't really seen the stigmatization but i'm also young and haven't been around a lot of church marriages i have seen christians idolize marriage and kind of put marriage um on the altar and kind of make it like the end the the end result and the end destiny for the Christian. Like once you've gotten married, you've arrived. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've definitely seen that idolatry. And I think that idolatry can sprinkle down and create instances where people feel forced to stay in marriages that are unhealthy. Sure. Yeah. I think at times we've, yeah, like you said, idolized marriage and put down singleness as a second class. Right. And I'm just going to speak on this topic in a, on a Sunday morning, mm-hmm. just the how God values singleness mm-hmm. and that it's called a gift yeah. in First Corinthians. So we would just want to be able to address that. Right. Probably half half the households in the United States are single people. Right. So so um, and sometimes we ignore that. Yeah. Yeah. We're all, I'm I'm sure I'm guilty of that. Churches have been guilty of that. Yeah. And we just need to address those things. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to this topic of marriage and divorce, so my opinion, which I freely admit could change, but I think uh, uh, God allows for divorces Mm -hmm. for these reasons of infidelity and abuse and things of that nature in such cases, Pearl. And that uh, some people will harbor on that it's a covenant relationship. You can't break a covenant. 
But I would say you, I can find biblical examples of covenant breaking broken. in the yeah. Old Testament yeah. as mm-hmm. well. And a different word there, uh, formulation of the word barit, as you know, mm-hmm. as covenant yeah. is used in those instances. And then uh, secondly, I think the person is free uh, to get remarried. And the question I would say then, you need to do the wise thing. Always right. ask, what is the wise thing? Knowing your background, your history, and where you're at in life, what is the wise decision for you to make? Right. Yeah. And we would say that about any important any issue. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, what is the wise thing to do here? Yeah. And, uh, but I get this question, and I've had it from people in the church. Hey, I went through divorce, my husband or my wife, um, infidelity was an issue or this was an issue. Um, I want to be faithful to God. Can I get remarried? Mm -hmm. And I tell them, yes, you can get remarried. And some of my friends in the ministry will not perform weddings for people who have been divorced. And, uh, but I have chosen to do that as well. Mm -hmm. For instance, my cousin was marrying somebody who was divorced. Mm-hmm. This has been uh, 50 years ago, because wow. I was eight or nine at the time. She was a little bit older. And the church wouldn't allow the wedding to be inside the church building. So it was in my parents' house wow. in the living room wow. with about 40 people. Mm-hmm. It was crowded. <laughs> I remember it still. Wow. But I think we do a disservice to people we do. when we uh, stigmatize them as a lesser Christian right, as I well. Agree. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, any other questions or thoughts, Clea? I did a lot of talking this time. Um, I would like to maybe in another podcast talk about divorce for any reason, because I think a lot of people in my generation, one, don't value marriage, and two, at the sign of trouble, leave marriages. So I think not not even physical or verbal abuse, but for things like not picking up socks, yeah. or because it's not fulfilling. Um, so I would like to do a podcast on that or yeah. talk about it. I think that would be great. Let's yeah. do that next time. Okay. Okay. Because um, that is an important issue. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hey, I'm Steve Hill. This was our podcast today, Stuff with Steve. Grace and peace be with you.